0: Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Okay, good morning everyone. It's um really good to be here again. <laughs> um but uh, Esther and them stayed with us for a while, and I remember Esther always being cold. You, Esther was wearing like layers of onesies over, over each other. She had like three onesies on, and then she was still like, Can I have a blanket, please? But it's going to be warm in heaven, Esther. In heaven, you know, you're going to run around, I want to say naked, but you, you're like, you won't need as many layers, I'm sure. Um, oh, yeah, I, I just feel so encouraged by, by the worship and by the words. Um, it's just a very, very special community. And uh, I was just, oh, I normally only start crying later on in the sermon, but um, I, I just i opened my eyes at one point uh, during worship, and I, and I saw my wife dancing in front. And I just hadn't seen that for so long. I think, you know, we, yo, we had such a, we we really think back um, on our time in Joburg with such fondness. We were here for ten years. Um, we both from the Cape. Uh, we thought like Joburg would be a stepping stone to like America or you know something. Like we'll do a year or two here and then we'll move on to the next thing. And um, and and uh, yo, I think. Um, you know I think that there were many things that happened here that we we also thought like even when when we were asked to lead the the plant of the san congregation, I thought we think we we thought like yeah we, we're gonna do this for God you know we'll we'll do this favor to God like you know we'll make ourselves available, and then halfway through you just realize like you need this, like we need much more sanctification than anyone else, so God actually has to put us in a position that is you know will just get us to you know, get rid of all of that sin, you know, <laughs> and get to trust him. And, and we really went through some tough times here as well. Um, as a family, you know, personally, there were some big things that we faced. And um, I think we, like the love that we experienced in this community, just uh, transformed our hearts. Um, God's love that was portrayed, not just in word, but in deed, through this community was so powerful and really, yeah, you know, impacted us for the rest of our lives. So really, honour Henny and the leadership team and all of all of you are members of this of this this part of the body. Um, yeah, you know, just thank you for representing God well in that way. Um, yeah, you know. oh, but it's going well with us. Um, we're settled in uh, in Stellenbosch. We uh, a few wobbles along the way. It's not easy moving with three small children. Um, some of you will remember Benjamin, Caleb, and Daniel. Um, Benjamin and Caleb kind of go on their own. Daniel is like. We saw The Incredibles the other day. Who of you know the movies The Incredibles? Um, you may remember they. It's like, a family of, of superheroes, and each one has his special power. Um, and then in the end they're not sure what the baby's power is. So they thought maybe he's not a superhero. And then the baby like turns into a ball of fire. And when we saw that we're like, that's Daniel. <laughs> he's like this ball of fire. We thought he, for the first six months of his life we didn't hear him. You would just like put him down and he would just like sleep or not speak. He would just be there. We're like, oh, it's the most amazing baby, so easy. And uh, come six months, I think we did the baby dedication. And someone was like, no, they just see like this fire on his life. And like these, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking in the fire. And we're like, oh, that's strange. And then he found his voice. And this energy and this determination and this. So so that's been good. Um, But it's really good to be here. Um, I want to share a little bit this morning about... Um, about the heart, and um, I've I've really been challenged about um, just the idea, like how think how God thinks about the heart and what the Word says about the heart, the importance of the heart, what it represents, um, and I think it's a challenge to us because I think you know Louis when he shared that word spoke about the many lines, you know, that there are these many lines, these many voices, these many distractions. And I think, I think our world is set up in that way that we are so busy and we're so focused on the external things. Um, even in our relationship with God, we often focus on the behavior. You know, I, th- th- My line of work, I'm in consulting, and we work, uh, we, we work on strategy and culture and leadership development projects. And a lot of our work is, is around behavior change. Our clients will say, we need people to behave in a different way. To the, how they're behaving in the moment, at the moment, for us to execute our strategy or to, you know, foster the kind of culture we think will, that we want, people need to do different things. They need to form different habits. Can you help us to do that? And, and that's what we do. And and I've I've wrestled with this thing because in in my view, like the most effective and the most sustainable form of behavior change is where there's a change of heart. There's, a, there's actually like a moment or there's an experience or there's a conversation or there's a, a conviction, but there's, there's, there's something that you're like, oh, oh my goodness, you know. And there's actually, there's something very deep that shifts your perspective and, and the way that you relate. And, and, then, and then you're like, okay, well, you know, then the behavior change almost becomes a natural outflow of that. But that's, not, that's often not how we approach it, even like with our children, um, I'm challenged with this, <laughs> you know, because you see the behavior, you just want to like control and like, you know, just like behave differently, you know. Um, but then we're like, wow, we're actually meant to be shaping their hearts through the way that we discipline. We being able to, we're actually meant to shape their perspectives and their hearts through the way that we discipline them. And of course, the behavior as well, but, but that's not where the behavior originates. Um, and so I think this is a, a, a challenge to us to to pause and to say, yo, with everything that we're, especially in Joburg, I just remember, like, you're driving and there's just like this, like your senses are attacked with all this, like, billboards, you know, <laughs> and the traffic and the, there's just a sensory overload. And um, to say, let's just, let's just pause for a moment. Let's just, let's look at our hearts for a moment. And, um, and I, I think it's always good to start with why. What, why, why, does it, why is it important to talk about the heart? And I think one of the reasons, for me, the primary reason is um, found in Proverbs 4, verse 23, um, which many of us will know, which says that um, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Other translation says, for it is the wellspring of life. It is, that, it is that origin, it is the source of like the big, we see the big stream and the big river, but the heart is like, it's the wellspring of life. It's that origin, it's that source, and everything we do, everything we do flows from the heart. I just like that phrase, above all else, to me is quite a a hectic phrase, especially if you think about Proverbs and the wisdom that's contained in Proverbs. But it says, above all else, above everything else, guard your heart. Be aware of what's going on in your heart. Be diligent around what you allow into your heart. Be intentional about how you foster the state of your heart before God. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And I, like, I'm, I'm lazy, you know. Um, my wife will attest to this this morning. We were at, 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 at friend, staying at Friends of ours, and they're like, please can you carry the condiments to the table? I'm like, oh my goodness, there's so many little jars of jams, and, you know, it's like multiple trips, and I'm like, Where's a tray? You know, they say, when you want something to be done efficiently, ask a lazy person. They'll find the simplest way to perform the task. I'm like, can I just have a tray? They're like, we don't have a tray. I'm like, okay, I'm going to use the brood plank, The, you know. Um, and I'm like, I can really only focus on one thing at a time. And I think if we focus on one thing only, let's focus on the heart. Um, because everything we do flows from it. Um, what is the heart? I think we get a very, like, there are multiple parts of the word that speak about the heart, and, and we're looking at some of those today. I think, if you, I think if you had to distill all of that, I really like um, Timothy Keller, and I'm not just quoting Timothy Keller because I'm preaching in Eddie's congregation. Um, I, 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 this is to me the best definition of the biblical view of the heart that I've heard, because often we hear the heart, and I think sometimes when we hear the heart, we, we, I see like that red, little red emoji, you know? And you, you, sort of, you sort of associate it with Valentine's Day, you know? The heart. Oh, it's romantic and it's, it's lacquer and it's sweet and it's cute and it's all these things. Um, but a lot of that is associated with how we feel, you know? Um, it's, it's the emotional side. And while the heart, in the biblical view, while our emotions will follow the state of our heart, our heart is not primarily about emotion only and feeling only. Um, So Timothy Keller actually says, um, he describes it as the control center of our whole being. Which is essentially another way of what Proverbs 4 had been saying, right? Everything you do flows from it. It's the wellspring of life. It's the control center of your entire being. That's where the buttons are pressed that sends the instructions, right? It's the control center of our entire being. He says it drives... So it's, the, it, it's, not, it's not just the expression of our emotions. It's the origin. It's, the, it's, the, it's It drives. The, uh, the, the condition of our hearts determines our thoughts, our feelings, our will, and our desires. Which determines our behaviors, right? Our behaviors are driven through the way that we feel and think, what we desire, what our will is. And so the condition of our heart is really... Um, at the root of all of that, right? And then there is, the, the Bible also describes two, two primary conditions of the heart. Um, and, and and this is, there's a, there's a very, like a very visual picture painted in Ezekiel um, 36 verse 26, where God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And, and as it, this picture of two very different hearts, a heart of stone and a heart of flesh. And this is an incredibly encouraging promise where God actually says, I will come and do this. I will come and I will take out the heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And in, and, and in one way that happens when we're born again, Right? That this is what happens when we're born again, when we turn to God for the first time and he saves us. And we, our hearts are hardened by um, through just a life in sin. You know, Our spirits have been dead and then he makes us alive in Christ. And he says, I'm, I'm removing that heart of stone, I'm giving you a heart of flesh. And, and, and many of us remember when we first got saved, we, were, we heard God so clearly and we experienced his presence so powerfully. And we were so excited about the things of the Lord but then over time, at times, our hearts grew dull. And so he does this when we're born again, but then we know it's not always only about salvation in that sense, but it's also about sanctification. There's, there's a continuous redemption right, of our hearts of our wills, of our desires, of our thoughts, of our feelings. God is continuously redeeming that. I love that picture um, in 1 Corinthians 13 where it says, like, now you see in the mirror dimly, but then you shall see clearly. Now you know in part, but then you shall know fully as as you are also fully known. We're being redeemed, but when we see Jesus and we see him face to face, then this work is going to be complete. But uh, right now, we're still in the already, but not yet. And, um, and, and even after having been born again, there are times when we need to come to God and say, God, my heart has grown hard. Give me a heart of flesh once again. And this, this heart of stone, if you think about stone, it's, it's heavy. It's hard. It's cold, right? It's not malleable. It can't change shape. It can only break, right, with incredible force. It's this picture of steel, where, where steel, if you try to break steel when it's not heated, the steel will actually break off. And so a heart of stone can't, it can't feel, it can't hear, it can't see, it can't respond, it can't obey, it can't empathize. But a heart of flesh is warm, it's alive, right? It beats, it feels, it hears, it responds, it obeys, it can empathize, it can do all these things. It's malleable, right? When you when you ch- when you touch it, like it's not just a rock hard thing. It's, it's that picture of steel when it's when it's heated, it bends into the shape that that the that the craftsman is wanting to bend it into, right? And so it's these very it's these two very different pictures of of hearts that we can have. And I remember, like, I remember like, there was a time when, um, and we'll, we'll get into this in a moment, there was a time when I, God convicted me of, yo, um, just like, I think just a, just a pattern and, and really maybe even a stronghold of offense in my life, like a, a proneness to offense. And, um, and at first when God spoke to me about that, I, I was like, maybe I heard wrong. I don't, I don't see it, you know. I'm not, I'm not convinced. <laughs> um, and then I felt the Holy Spirit say, like, I must read a book called <clears throat> um, The Bait of Satan. <laughs> Who of us have read The Bait of Satan by John Vivier? And um, I think through that, the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to the possibility that perhaps, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> and, um, but but th- during that time, I remember I would, like, be running... Um, I would be walking on the Roy plane um, in Stellenbosch, which is like a, a plane that all the students cross when they, they're moving between classes. Um, I'd be running through the neighborhoods, you know, on the way to Jonkershoek, and, you know, the mountains. And, and um, I would, and, and God helped me to see something that I'd just been doing automatically for years that I just was subconscious until then. But I would like walk past someone and, if, and I would sort of look to see if they would greet me and and if they greeted me then i was like okay you're high, how's it and then if, but if they don't greet me then i actually in that moment decide like no it's over this person this is you know this friendship has ended you know it sounds intense but i honestly did that i was i was like offended i was like they didn't they i mean how, how could they you know <laughs> And um, and I would just like shut down my heart to that relationship in that moment. But you know, it's, there's also reasons for it and whatever and so on. But I remember having quiet time with God one morning, and and um and God just showed me this picture of um He showed me this picture of me doing gardening, which I thought was an interesting picture because I don't really associate with <laughs> with that uh, you know recreational activity. Um, <laughs> and and i was i was i was gardening in this in this picture and um i was sort of on my knees and i was in the bedding and um and and then and then i and then like my heart stopped and I, and i died in this picture i, I fell over and i i was I was you know i was dead i was cold i lay there on the grass and then i saw god come and he um he 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 put his hand into my chest and he took out this heart and it was this it was this it was this big like grey like overworked like heart. Um it was too big, it was like it, it was fatigued and it was it it was not functioning, it was sort of a greyish color and he and he and he set it aside and then and then he reached into his own chest and he, and he took his heart and it was this amazing like heart with color and perfect size and it's working properly. And he, and he put it into my chest and I, and I, I became alive again. And, um, and then what he showed me was that what I was doing in, the, in this picture when I was gardening is I was actually like pulling out weeds and I felt like the Lord said like it was the, the pulling out of the weeds represented repentance. And it's actually a repentance that enables us, that, that triggers that exchange, that, that invites God to say, well, let me give you a heart of flesh for a heart of stone. And so I think I think an important question for us is also what what causes our hearts to harden? What what are the things that that makes our heart our hearts hard over time? If we start out when we come to God, we're born again. We have these amazing, you know, heart of flesh. What happens? Um, and I I think I, I, if if this message resonates with you, I want to encourage you to um, to to just go and read and meditate on on Hebrews three and four. Um, I think, just two powerful scriptures on this, on this topic, on this theme. And a lot of what I'm saying, um, I think, is also coming from uh, having spent time on those. I'm just going to read verse 13 from Hebrews 3, um, which says, Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encourage one another daily, as long as it's, as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And um, Hebrews three and four is amazing. It, it actually, like, it can seem like quite a harsh, and it, I think it is quite a, it is quite a direct, it is quite a firm message. Um, I think if we read it with a religious mindset, we might, we might feel God is just out to punish us. But if you look at the text, that actually, st- like the promise, is actually centered around entering to God's rest. He's prepared. He talks about the fact that He's prepared a rest for us to enter into. That was always His will. That was His heart. And who, like, who of us? I think in this day and age, if we had to sum, I don't know if people would use this language, but I have to summarize the cry of humankind. They're looking for a place to, f- to rest, <laughs> to feel safe. To let my God down, to experience just a moment of peace and quiet from all of this, from all of this stuff. But it's not a natural we see people so desperately turning to all kinds of things, to you know, practising Zen and like just so desperate to to find a tool, find a way that will give them that longing. But that longing will not be found through those things. That a spiritual rest. That every human has and will remain restless until our hearts find rest in God. And that's, that's, his, that's his heart. He's like, I've, I've repaired this place, but my people, he says, do not harden yourself like the Israelites hardened themselves in the rebellion because of their unbelief. Do not harden yourselves and turn away because of your unbelief. And I really believe when the scripture says, like, we are hardened by sin's deceitfulness, there's this, that, that, that it's, 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 it's three primary ways in which sin shows up that hardens our heart. It's through unbelief, through pride, and through offense that our hearts are hardened. Unbelief, unbelief is really a hardness towards God. Pride is a hardness in ourselves, and offense is a hardness towards others. And it's this cutting off of our hearts, and I think there's a, there's a lie that comes with this. There's actually like a, there's something, it says the deceitfulness of sin. So sin is deceiving because it, it offers something desirable, Right? If we think about lust as an example, there's actually something that you desire, and there's something that you want, and the lie is that if you embrace this lust, then it's going to fulfill a need, it's going to meet that desire, and you're going to feel satisfied, but you never feel satisfied. It's deceiving. That sin is so deceiving, and each of these areas, I think, has a lie like that. I think unbelief is the lie is, um, I am protecting myself from God because I know better i know what's best for me i I don't i don't actually trust that what like god what god is taking me through is ultimately for my goodness not my comfort for my goodness right for my good from an eternal perspective not even just from a here and now perspective and so we, we, we think that we know better what we need. And so we think we're protecting ourselves by rejecting the Word of God or rejecting a prompting from the Holy Spirit or rejecting a direction He's sending us into. And we, we say, no, I choose. I choose something else because I know. And that's, that's that unbelief. And that's that unbelief, when grown to maturity, becomes a rebellion. Right? It starts out, but then it's actually like rebelling. And that's what happened with the Israelites, like, they started out, and they saw all these amazing things. They saw, like, I mean, I'm just like, I mean, I don't judge. I mean, because I know, like, I'm human, and I, you know, I, would, I don't know that I would have been any different. But, like, seriously, guys, a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud, like manna and quail every day, just, like, out of thin air, you know, like, protection and provision and his presence in such a tangible way. But yet we, we turn away pride is is the hardness in ourselves it's it's it says it's me first i i can do this alone i can do this alone right but then the grace is cut off we know that god resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble and then offense hardness towards others i think the lie i think what i think what i think i think what what the, the, the deceitfulness of sin the lie that we think offense will 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 offer us is Again, we're protecting ourselves. We're protecting ourselves. Um, I'm protecting myself. Where Unbelief says I'm protecting myself because I know better. I think a fan says I'm protecting myself because, because others will hurt me. And I get it because in the past, others have hurt us. Like that, that happened. Some of us have been very hurt by people who are meant to perhaps cover us and love us and nurture us and protect us. We've been very hurt. And so I get it. Like, But if we don't bring that to God, if we stay in that place, we keep on protecting ourselves from, God, from others. And like Lauren and I experienced in this community, God so often wants to show his love and his commitment to us through others. And we withhold ourselves from God's blessing because we make that hurt our ultimate truth rather than what God is saying in his goodness. Yeah, I'm like well that's a problem. We have a problem. <laughs> if we're sitting with these three things. We were spending time with Annie and Rochelle um, on on Friday, and Annie just said that actually the the root of all sin is idolatry. And um, I think so many of the words we heard this morning is is an invitation to come back to God as as our as our primary place of trust. Um, I was so I was so encouraged by um, what Rochelle also shared, and uh, and I was even just like. Oh, Michelle, like God's work in your life. <laughs> oh, I just remember, like you know, <clears throat> there were lots of questions at some point, like. Yeah. And um, it's, 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 it's just so encouraging to see. Yeah, you know, God speaks so powerfully through you, powerfully through you. So I just want to honor you for your obedience. Um, thank you for that. But that the root of sin is actually idolatry and that, that we place, there's something else that we, we place on the thrones of our hearts, which causes this hardening effect. And we saw that we see this in Hebrews 3 and 4 through the, the unbelief, which leads to rebellion, which leads to a hardness, which makes it difficult or closely impossible for us to enter into God's rest. We um, we counselled we counselled someone recently who um, who had just been in a in a in a habit of like deliberate um, like conscious sin like they, they they I won't go into the details but they they had just embraced even though they know God and they have been born again they they were in the cycle of like very just like hectic stuff and and knowing what they're choosing and choosing it over and over again and and they said oh, please can we just pray with them for to be delivered you know. Like they can't take it anymore, and they feel like God is setting to, setting before them two paths, and God is saying, "Now look, I've set before you life and death. Now choose life." And they know if they continue in this way, it leads to death. But it's so difficult; they feel so bound. They can't get themselves to draw away from that. You know, they want to choose life, but they feel unable to. And and they shared like <clears throat> they shared some 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 stories with us, and just some things that had happened, and and um. And then before we went to go pray with with this person, Lauren, and I were just like, "Lord, help us." I mean, Lord, help our unbelief because I don't know. Like this person is quite for. Like I feel like they're quite for. Like I mean, it almost seems like, you know. I mean, we've I think we've ministered to people in this space quite a bit, but this this case is special, you know. And maybe this one is uh, like, which is probably a good thing because I think that led us to not to not be. You know, we just felt. <clears throat> incapable and helpless, and we're just like, Holy Spirit, help. <clears throat> and what came out right at the start of the conversation, we had like all things in mind to pray about, and they, they said something which just helped us to realize that they, they in, the, in their case, I think there's a general sense of unbelief, but then there's also sometimes a spirit of unbelief. There's actually a door that's open, and we give access to a demonic spirit which makes it very difficult for us to walk in faith. And what, what we felt the Holy Spirit show us is that this person, through, through choosing, right, there's, there's ignorance sin and then there's deliberate sin, um, where we actually know what we're doing and we're choosing something else and we're deliberately rejecting God in our, heart, in our hearts. And we do that over and over and over again. And that rebellion becomes mature and our hearts become so hard this person said they started out and they worshiped God and they knew him they were intimate with him and they you know it was it was such a special place and they just feel no matter what they do they can't feel God they can't see him they can't hear him But okay I think we get the picture and then <clears throat> then the question is how do we how do we reverse the heart hardening effect what needs to happen for us for this exchange to take place where there's actually like a heart of, where the heart of stone is taken out and the heart of flesh is, is given to us. And um, maybe just a little bit about our story, like since we moved to Stellenbosch. We, um, we, sta- we, stayed, um, we, we stayed with my parents for three months, which, um, which we braced ourselves for. Andre's laughing. Why are you laughing? <laughs> you know. I mean I, I don't care how great your parents are, I just think it's never totally easy to stay for three months, you know, with your little boys and it's just it's you know. So we were there for three months, but it was actually it was actually amazing. It was better than we thought and bless my parents, they're incredible opening their homes to us. And, um, but then we moved into our own place. And I think Lauren and I felt like for the first time in 18 months, we could kind of exhale. Since Daniel had been born, there had just been like big battles that we had been fighting on multiple fronts for a while. And, and it, it felt like, okay, we can actually, we're in our own space. We're here. The transition's complete. Like, we can now just sort of, can eat awesome, you know. Okay. And, um, and... And then it, it just wasn 't going well, I love <laughs> just it, we were like we, we were constantly like we just felt like this state of chaos and confusion we We felt overwhelmed all the time, we just felt it was too much, and we weren 't even like that involved in things. You know I think we were also just tired of like multiple changes and you know moving a small family so physically tired and perhaps emotionally fatigued and and so we rested our bodies, and we would we, we look for ways to just emotionally sort of recover. And, and still, like, we were not. And the more we felt like this, we more, the more we tried to kind of control our circumstances and our commitments and our just wanted, wanting to reduce the pressure and the load so we, we feel we're in a place where we can function. And, um, but the more we did that, the worse it became. And... And then I was just like, Lord, what's happening? I I don't know. Like I thought this, you know, should we have just stayed in Joburg? It was better actually to be in Joburg. You know, these people that lust after the mountains and the oceans, and you know, and and uh, and. Look, you know, and I was reading you know, the scripture God gave me earlier in the year. is from James three, and I was just reading in the rest of James three, and I, I came across um, this verse in James three, which says. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. <laughs> and I was like, gee, thanks, Holy Spirit, for the encouragement. <laughs> um, you know, sort of, you just want the word that's going to make you feel better. You know, like, he dances over you with singing, you know, rejoices over you. Like, and, um, and he's just like, no, my son... Like, what you need to hear right now is that where there's envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. And, uh, and when I read that word disorder, I was like, this is exactly what we've been experiencing in our home. And we thought if we just get the right domestic help, if we just find the right family routine, then that disorder will be f- sorted out. And then we did all those things, but the disorder was still there. And then he just—what we we showed, what we felt God show us—is that we had actually fallen into a cycle of each of each of us in our marriage and for our home just pursuing our own needs, and we actually just fell into a organizing our lives around our own needs. And. and in our marriage, I think we were just like, I was just, I was just so aware of my needs. And I was like very, getting very good at communicating my needs to Lauren, but not really having, you know, not really asking what, what are yours. <clears throat> and in our family, I think we had also grown very, oh, we just want our family to feel okay, you know. That's kind of our highest priority. And God was just saying, as long as you're pursuing selfish ambition, you're going to be experiencing disorder. And the word self-preservation became something that, that, that we spoke about. We're actually just preserving our lives. We're actually just, oh man, we're just trying to keep it together and to be happy. And just not feel overwhelmed. That had become our goal, to be honest. And he was just like, it's not, I mean, it's not going to work, my son. Like, you, you need to let go of that. And, um, and, and that had, I think that had become the idolatry for us. What we had placed as the ultimate thing was our needs, individually and as a family. And, um, and that brought the conviction. I think that, that, that brought the conviction that we knew, like, something needs to change. And, um, and God was saying to us, I want you to open your home. I want you to say yes, I want to use you, and I actually want, I want to use you beyond your capacity. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Oh, and there had been a time where, the, uh, where that had been a, an, a habit for us, when we said yes to planting the church in Sant, and we, even before we planted the church, we were already exceeding our capacity. <laughs> We were, like, we were, our youngest was 18 months, our second, well, Lauren was seven months with the second one. I was up for a promotion in a consulting firm, which would mean additional responsibility. Then we were approached, and we were just like, no, I mean, just no. I mean, it's just not no. I mean, there's no way. My dad told me I'm crazy. He actually said to me, you're being foolish, and you're going to regret this decision. But I drew near to God, and God was just like, who shall go for us, and whom shall we send? And again, I remember feeling so confused, feeling such a state of chaos and disorder. And I actually, f- I remember feeling physically nauseous the one day and just going into the inner room and just like God, because I, I think in my heart of hearts, I knew this was from God, but I just couldn't see it. I was just like, no, Lord, no, 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 no. And um, I got in there and I was, I was spending time with God. And then I heard those, those words and I, Jesus took me to Isaiah 6 and I was reading through that scripture and. He says, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm from a people of unclean lips, and I'm just just, like useless. God can't use me. And and then God's like, Yes, now I can use you. (laughs) You've realized it's not actually so much about your capability or your capacity. But then the angel comes, and he takes the coal from the altar, and he places it on his lips, and he declares him clean. And then he asks who shall go for us? Who shall we send? And I, that in that morning on my face, I was like, Lord, here I am. Send me, send us, send our family. And in that moment, the nausea cleared up and I had incredible peace. And um, when we operated beyond our capacity for years. And it was amazing. And we missed that, actually. <laughs> and and God was just like, um, well, and so for the past two, three months, we've, I've traveled much more. I've traveled like four or five times over the last two, three months, sometimes for a week at a time. Um, and when I come back, there's like five or six students in our kitchen. <laughs> and there's just like, there's so much going on. And they're in the natural, there's actually so much chaos, but there's actually so much order. And peace. And um, and so I think I think I think the conviction the, the, there's a moment of conviction where the, the triggers that exchange are the heart of stone and the heart of flesh. But I think then there's also um, there's a scripture that says in Romans, um, do you not know that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance? There's a picture of his kindness and his mercy. And I was, remember I was, I'd had this conviction and I, was feeling, I knew something had to change, but I, I still felt wrong. I was still like, I was sort of, you know, I don't know who of you like um, complain about your spouses to God. I don't know how, I don't know if that's very, oh, okay, well, great. I don't know how effective that is. Like, I honestly don't know. I don't know if God, God's like, oh, sorry to hear about your, you know, but um, I don't know. I, but, I, I just, but not, not even just my spouse, you know. I, I think just generally I feel like I've been wronged by people. I'm like, Lord, but these are legitimate needs, you know. And I'm entitled to, like, these are, like, I, I don't know if any of you get stuck also on focusing on the vows that the other person made. <laughs> as opposed to the vows that you made. You're like, no, but they promised. And they're not doing their thing. And he's like, well, what about you? Are you... You know, are you laying your life down for her like Christ laid it down for the church? Oh, not quite. No, let, let's get back to that. Um, and and I, I was sort of like, but Lord, I've been wronged. Like, I know I shouldn't pursue selfish ambition, but if I don't pursue my needs, some, no one else is going to, you know? And I'm just sort of left to my own devices. And, and then I just read, like, he just took me to Isaiah 53. Um, And I was feeling very sorry for myself, you know, like I, you know, I'm just taking, I'm just being so selfless and, you know, all these things. And then Isaiah 53 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. This is verse 5. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And then I was just like, yo, oh, next time I feel that I've been so wronged that. I think Philippians 2 says, Now let us have the mind of Christ, who, though he was God, though he was equal to God, he gave up his divine rights. Let's not hold on to those rights in our relationships, the things that we we feel legitimately entitled to. But remember the example of Jesus. And I think it's not just remembering as an example and, 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 and copying as example. I think it's allowing what he did for us to soften our hearts. It says that when Jesus, after he had resurrected and he was walking with two of the disciples, I forget which ones, on the road to Emmaus, they didn't recognize him. But after, he, after they had departed from him, it says, did, did not our hearts burn inside of us while he was speaking to us? And I think it's when we remember, I just remember sitting this morning and re- like realizing that it, there's a this, there's this song how Deep the Father's Love for Us. And one of the lines go, it was my sin that nailed him there. And I just think that moment, I remember, I realized like it, my sin made the cross necessary. If it wasn't for my sin, he wouldn't have had to go through that. But then I, I like while I was worshiping, I just saw him on the cross and I, I think if I had been Jesus, if I had to do that, I would, I would resent the people that I would be doing it for. Like imagine, like you had not done anything wrong. You had led a perfect life. You had been beaten. You had been spat on. You had been humiliated. And, and you were about to be separated from the presence of your Father. Which is... <laughs> The thing that sustained you, you know, you, that you had known from before creation. Not because of your own doing, but because of all these other people that just are so stubborn and just choose their own ways over and over again. And I, 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 I just like, while worshiping, I saw him on the cross and I, I, I looked up at him and I, and in his eyes there were no resentment he didn't blame me it wasn't like this is your fault he was like I gladly do this because I love you I love you so much this is necessary for you to be reconciled to me and it's a price that I'm willing to pay and I think that is what softens our hearts when we see that when we remember the cross and his incredible generous kindness and mercy that was released in that moment that redeemed us. And that's what allows us, that's what inspires repentance. That's repentance that, that triggers that exchange from a hard heart to a soft heart.